Scotty on the run. Scotty, you're no fun. Hello, Scotty. Well, I mean, I think that's, I don't know. <laughs> Sad, disappointing. Mr. Boring Scotty. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's just, it's just that you know, yeah. you know me. I, I, I pretty much have no life other than these, you know, twenty-five to thirty-minute segments when I get to talk to you and talk to our massive audience. Um, and and some would question if that's that life would... at all. <laughs> <laughs> and you, and you suggested to me that you may need to bail today because you've got important shit to do and we're wanting to run away. And I said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And I. I told people that I was in a meeting with, like, sorry, I need to bail out of here at least 10, 15 minutes earlier because I need to talk to Scotty. But, John, I feel nope. I feel honored and privileged and warm and fuzzy inside that, that you have put your 30 minutes with me over and above your career. That's... <laughs> That says just about everything about how well your career is going. Well, no, no. I, I think what it says is that I have no fear because I know that our, our audience would have my back. And that if it was announced next episode that I'd been summarily shit canned, I know that the GoFundMe did <laughs> would just be like spilling over. And in fact, I would earn like three or four times my already. Um, uh, Decent Silicon Valley salary. Right, now, I thought uh, you were going oh, to say that when you said you have no. F- I thought you were going to say you can have no future, but there we are. <laughs> it's, it's in a, talking talking about people being shit can. That might as well leave us on to uh, you know something quite sad and quite serious. That um, you know, a lot of uh, good developers and some of oh, our yes. friends were, were laid off from uh, Sketch over the last last yes. week, and there's um. Uh, several lists of people who are available for hire. So if you're looking for good Mac developers, now is probably the time to try and get one because there are some very good ones available. But um, it, it, it was interesting that, you know, Sketch has been such a success story in the Mac market. It is Mac only. Um, uh, it did take some funding. It was an indie company for a long time, but it did take some funding a number of years ago, and I'm not into this, but, you know, but, yeah, I have no idea what went on inside. We've only had the LinkedIn post that says about it. I mean, I do know some people in there. All I know is the people who were laid off had no idea it was coming. Um, literally, mm. one day they were working. The next day they were told not to. Um, wow. But it's uh, it's just interesting. I mean, but, you know, I think Sketch was a 240-person company, which for a company that makes a Mac app, that sounds like a lot of people. And I know that's not all developers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of support network there in the, the web stuff and marketing and sales and accounts and all the rest of it. But if you think about it, you know, for, for a company that sells effectively one application, um, you know, I, but personally from where I sit, I struggle to know what 240 people could do. I'm sure they were all very busy. Um so, yeah, I, I have sort of mixed feelings about this. I think I don't think Sketch is doomed, which was obviously some of the the, the sort of like first things of Sketch is doomed. I mean, obviously, I think there was a bit of battle going on between Sketch and Figma mm-hmm. uh, for hearts and minds. And it looks like Figma may have won. And particularly with, I think Figma were bought by Adobe recently as well, weren't they? So yes. shitloads of money going into that there. But it's... um. Yeah, I I just want to say we wish everyone at Sketch who, who's left all the best, um, and and you know hope that Sketch has a great future. Sim, not not you know, firstly because Sketch is a great 
Mac app and we want great Mac apps. Um, certainly sketches run by some nice people who you know, we know and like, um, and we want that to see. But equally, I think it is good for our industry to have success stories in in Mac. And if you, we if we just have this constant trail of Mac apps that are that are closing or failing or not being updated, then you know the Mac will be writing its own future. It won't have anything to do with Apple. It'll have to do with everything else. So Sketch, get in there, kick some ass. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I have to echo what you say because I do love some people there. Um, and I have no doubt that they will they will land some, you know, in great places. So I think it's, it's a, you know, if you have to unfortunately get laid off or have this thing happen, it is it is a better time now than it was three or four years ago, if nothing else, that most companies have now realized that 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 you have to be able to deal with remote workers and that there are huge advantages to it. Um, it, it, it is a little bit ironic because, uh, you know, <laughs> A million years ago, uh, uh, when I was doing, you know, enterprise digital asset management software using web objects and the the thought of web-based tools was like, you know, something from so far left field and, and multiple times, you know, we would go down to, to meet with Adobe because we wanted to, to build great plugins for the Adobe Creative Suite, essentially, so that people could use the asset management service that we provided, uh, which, you know, could be installed in a company or hosted. And, it, you know, there were some people who saw, who saw you know, and this was back in, in, the, in the early 2000s, in the late 90s, early 2000s, there were, there were a number of people who saw, yeah, absolutely, web is the future. And, but there were an even larger number of people who's like, you guys are smoking rope. You know, I, I don't want to talk about anything other than what's going to sell more copies of, of Photoshop for Mac and Windows and, and fat software, so to speak. And, and, you know, Adobe, you know, is still around, obviously, and, and, and there is a certain type of nervousness about what happens to this great plucky, you know, indie product that happened to have been born a, a web app, which makes sense to me, um, and will it get killed by, by Adobe? Um, and the jury is still somewhat out, but it, it is, it, you, you, you work long enough in any industry, you see interesting historical trends. But anyway, Scotty, um, can I com- can I comp- no? I don't want to say sh- can I complain? Can I share with you my struggle and victory? John struggle and victory segment. <laughs> so John was up working way past his bedtime last night because uh, I was. I, I, I have to hesitate to be able to say what I can say and what I can't say, but as a generic practice, you all know that I care about uh, about making layouts work with preferred content size. And I've been talking about what happens when on a mobile device and you have to show the keyboard and you at the same time want to respect preferred content size, which is going to jack up the type size and force you to have to scroll. And if you do that in the context with screens that have call-to-action buttons or outbound links, um, you know, the, the common way of testing it and, and, and developing is, is the designers will say, this is what it looks like at the default size. And then I have to come in and say, but what happens if the default size ends up being one or two, you know, one and a half or two or three times larger than what you had anticipated? And already, you know, if, you, if things scroll, then people understand that. So anyway, that's the context. Now, I, I came across something last yesterday where, you know, uh, a reality of software engineering is that you you got a release and if you have important features that are going out sometimes you have to say well 
It works well in this case. It works well in the happy path. But in the back of your mind, you say, well, what about the unhappy path? And the unhappy path with preferred content size is, is, is you launch the app, you go into a feature, and then you say, oh, my gosh, I can't read this. And then you go to the control panel and you say, let's jack up the type size a little bit for the app. And the expectation is, is that it should react to those changes right away. And that's where things were starting to go south yesterday. I thought, all right, well, for this release, we can live with it, but I really want to get this fixed, and it bugged me. Um, and so I spent some time working with it yesterday, and I, I managed to make things work. And there were two aspects to it. One is that if I under things that can make things really tricky with preferred content size are attributed strings because, um, as you know, a UI label can you can send it plain text. And you can set the font on the on the, the label, and then it's really easy to make that grow. But if you have attributed strings, and attributed strings can have any attributes, and they don't necessarily have to have a font, but if you're going to have runs of text that have bold type or that have attachments or things like that, then you have to be very clear for each you know, set of characters in a range what the font is going to be and therefore what size. And you generate it, and then it you know it's valid for that point in time. And then if the user goes in and changes the preferred content size, someone has to be responsible for, for noticing that and then doing the right thing. Now, if it's a UI label, it's very easy to do it, especially if the UI label is just using a single you know, piece of text and a single defined font. If it is a complex run of attributed text, then you are responsible, or I know I say you, it's something other than the UI label, and that's where I was running into problem because you were having this complicated flow of going from screen to screen and allowing people to navigate back, and each of the screens are, are essentially defined by a view model, and the view model has the attributed text. In the end, the thing that I, I realized by spending you know quality time in the debugger is I could see that the you know, I had to basically regenerate the attributed strings upon notification that preferred content size had changed or that the trait collection defining that had changed. And when I did that, everything worked, and then I could go back and forth. I, it, it worked as dynamically as I expected. But the second thing that I had to do is that sometimes you need to, you know, you need to basically... Uh, make some, let's say, UX design decisions, even as a software engineer. And the thing that I had said there is that uh, oftentimes if you're showing a keyboard, you may have to take a screen and push it up. And so a lot of times a screen will be presented where a user can kind of get the lay of the land, see all the data that's on the screen, the icons, the text, the calls to action, the links. Um, and even if that they have to scroll because it doesn't fit, at least the user can see there's a whole, you know, a, a, a completeness to it. But if you have the keyboard visible at some point, and then at that point you decide to change the preferred content size, I, I started experimenting with it, and, and keyboard showing and, and hiding all works with notifications, and then you can get the data about where the keyboard's going to go and at what velocity and so on and so forth. But in the end, I said, you know what? If the keyboard was visible when I, when I received one of these notifications, I just resign, you know, first responder on whatever it was that was making the keyboard show. And it goes back to the, the initial state so that people can say, oh, okay, here's the lay of the land for this screen. And then they can decide to go editing. It's not a very common case, but it can happen. And the reason I talk about sweating all these details is that by doing it, you definitely find edge cases in your layouts and it makes the layouts work more, you know, more properly at all cases. But it, it also, I think, shows a level of love um, that is sets your app apart uh, because I noticed some apps, and I won't name names, <laughs> Instagram, uh, 
<laughs> they just, it still amazes me that if, if you launched, inst oh, sorry, if you launched that app that shall not be named and you change the preferred content size, it just fucking quits. It, <laughs> it just says, hey, I'm out of here. I can't figure it out. And it forces you to relaunch. And, and I, I, I understand why they might think, why they might have to do that because this stuff is complicated and for performance reasons, you need to cash aggressively, but it still makes me laugh a little bit. And I, I, I kind of take it as a point of pride that I am willing to go a little bit further to give a, a, a friendlier user experience when responding to preferred content size changes and shit canning the app. Anyway, that was my uh, that was my happiness from 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 last night. How was your week, Scotty? My week has been um, it's been OK, actually. I think the last couple of weeks have been mainly a um, sort of a talking to you about how I've balls things up. And I think the best thing to say this week is I've not really ballsed anything up yet. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure I've written code that is going to eventually balls things up. <laughs> but um, at this moment in time, uh, the outcome of the ballsing has not um, not actually happened. Um, I've had a little bit of fun. Uh, I've written a command line tool this week. So we have, um, as I've been saying, we, uh, a back-end uh, that we're putting on for money well to just monitor certain things and control certain things and control stuff like licenses and whatever else. And, you know, right now, um, if we refund the money well license or if someone needs the email changed on their license, um, it, it normally involves a SQL query on the server, <laughs> which is not necessarily um, the the most robust and uh, efficient way of, um, of doing things. Now, we've been moving uh, for going forward with... Um, uh, all that type of stuff we've been moving it out of a MySQL database on our own server to a um, to into a, a PaaS store uh, hosted by Back for App, and um, uh, the Back for App has a PaaS SDK uh, which can be used against it, which many apps used in the past, and so. Uh, I thought, well, we just want to sometimes refund a license or add a license or um, send users their license. So I'll write a little command line tool we can all have on our computers and we'll just, you know, it's called MW tool because I'm really not that inventive with names. <laughs> um, you know, MW tool, send license, email address, and it'll just send the licenses using the stuff on the server. So, I mean, that's, you know, far as that goes, that's not particularly interesting or exciting in any way uh, but what was quite nice is i used the um uh, apple's uh swift argument parser package oh, nice. uh, which was written exactly for this it's an open source package and it allows you to basically um every command that uh, is in the tool um uh it descends from a parsable command or in uh, my case, an async possible command, um, and it allows you to use um, uh, to, to sort of flag uh, using like at option in at flag. Uh, what's it called when you annotate variables with that? My brain has gone blank. You add metadata uh, to them. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about when you put in at option yeah. or at flag or you know, whatever yeah, else. Yeah. There's many others. I can't even remember what the terminology for it is. So you can declare what, you know, you make a command. It descends from possible command or async possible command if the 
um, is the the thing is going to do async stuff, um, and that will then at the point it runs check that the right parameters are passed on the line, put it into the right format that you've said. Um, it generates help for it. So if you do a minus h, it will say this is the parameters I'm expecting using all the flags on there, um, and it is really really nice. Basically, if you um, because a lot of the the faff of writing a command line tool is parameter parsing and checking have the right parameters been passed for this particular command and what it does and you know the actual code to do something in it, it, it is really simple. But um, this this makes it really easy. So if you ever need to write a, a command line tool that takes parameters, I am going to point you towards Swift Argument Parser from Apple. It is a very cool little package and i give it a big thumbs up wow so you know what's the acronym for this product is it sclapped swift command line argument parser or is it just sap <laughs> or, or... they just call it swift dash argument dash parser <laughs> okay fine <laughs> and uh, yeah in, in your in your um in your uh, Swift code, you'd import argument parser. So there we are. There's none of your fancy, crappy initials there, there, John. So it's. So, um... But you know that I have this terrible, you know, <laughs> habit of doing this, and I guess, and I, I think that the reason why why it is is that you know companies have lots of uh, of acronyms and and whatever they exist in the world, and sometimes they're funny. I mean, it's like I, I you know. Uh, I always like the fact that you know uh, the, the the coolest indie you know music label in the eighties was IRS, <laughs> and then there was like a booking agency called FBI, and they 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 purposely did that. It was Miles Copeland, the the brother of Stewart, um, and who named the group the Police because he thought, well, there are cops everywhere. There were getting lots of publicity, and so it, at, at our company, there have been acronyms acronyms that relate to that. <laughs> there was one that was. Um, yeah, I, well, I won't say what, but uh, th- that there were acronyms <laughs> that are already taken, and so now in in, in a meeting when any t- anything is discussed, I'm trying to think. Okay, how would that turn into an acronym, and what fun could we have with it? So that's that's now you you all have seen a little bit how my uh, broken brain works. Wasn't there? Um, it wasn't. It, it's, uh, maybe it's somewhere I can't remember. Maybe it was Facebook. There was somewhere there where the users got to name all the. Uh, the uh, Employees got to name all the meeting rooms, and there were a lot of votes uh-huh. on it. And I think, you know, um, you know, I think the, the, the employees went slightly mad and like named rooms like unavailable uh, <laughs> and stuff. So when people, when management, they they could always get that room because the uh, the techie people understood it was the name, whereas management would never book the room because they assumed it was unavailable. So the uh, the techie people got it all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, this is common knowledge. I remember seeing this is even before I joined Netflix and I saw some 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 screen capture of somebody who created a, a profile called Ad Profile. <laughs> it was basically in order to or even one that was like named kids and it was somebody who was like kind of you know, borrowing their their ex girlfriend's account and trying to keep 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 her from knowing about it or something along those lines. So um, in fact, I think that there was something I saw on the Twitters uh, laughing. Twitter was all a Twitter over some announcement that they were going to ask <laughs> the public at large on the Internet to name a space expedition to understand <laughs> the planet Uranus. <laughs> so it's like, okay, we want to probe Uranus. <laughs> and, and, nobody, and somewhere somebody thought that that was a good idea. 
Yeah, what can what can I say? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think yeah, a little bit of fun. Is it like you know what's that? Uh, ex KCD sketch was saying you know this school is ringing up uh, the parents saying, did did you uh, did you really call your your child drop table students? <laughs> <laughs> Nerd humor. Yeah, so uh, so John, uh, there we are. Now we had a, a little side thing into um, you know my successful uses of, of Swift packages, which, by the way, I've had, I've spoken many times in the past about my dislike for dependency managers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Cocoa Pods has had my uh, my wrath, and Carthage has had my wrath. Uh, I have to say that well, well, I still have the same um, concern with dependencies, uh, in your code and whatever, as a dependency manager, Swift package manager, I, I actually quite like. Spam, 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 lovely spam. sorry. <laughs> you really are going for it today, <laughs> aren't you? You really are. No, I am. Well, I mean, come on, honestly, you, you just, you set yourself up for this because every dependency manager has a little bit of rat in it, so. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I'll have spam, eggs with spam, with a topping of spam. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> anyway, uh, how did we go on to that? So anything else of note this well? We do note that uh, Mac OS Pet Detective, or Ventura, as it's more officially known, is uh, mm-hmm. coming out Monday, I think. Was that Monday the um, whatever of October? Because <laughs> I have no idea what the date yeah. is today. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say that um, other than... On one laptop that I have hardly fired up in the last three months, I have not been running it at all. So I have no idea if it's um, ready for prime time or not. Uh, And I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Often when you're on one of these macOS betas, um, you start at beta 2 maybe because no one really with any sanity can work off beta 1 very much. Uh, And then you get through to beta 6 and beta 7 and whatever it's at now is it about eight or nine maybe i don't know um so in there and you just see it getting a little bit better and you you notice um the improvements and you know what's working and not working uh and your expectations are pretty set when it comes out whereas of course if you're more like the end user and then just come monday morning your your machine says would you like to upgrade and you say oh that's exciting and you press yes and um you know the new shiny appears uh you know that may be exciting but as a developer i'm finding that you know i'm going to go from one os to the next with no real idea um a little bit uncomfortable um um, yet to you know i'm not restrained enough to probably not install it on monday once it's out um so uh because you know i like new shiny and whatever else so have you been running it at all i mean because i guess you're only doing (laughs) ios apps so you don't really really care whether it works or not as long as you can work i honestly i don't care and while you were talking about this i my mind was wandering a little bit to about the apps that i use every day which you know essentially i use xcode and you know let's say the xcode adjacent apps on the mac other than that pretty much everything i use is a web app i do use the mail client because i still like it um but i i use in my in my work week precious little desktop software and um and 
you know, I know that that we had discussed the the what he called Xcode online or whatever the Xcode test service, the thing that that Apple you know made available. They kind of teased it, and I think it's been released for a while. And the idea was, you know, let's give continuous integration and test lab abilities that that big companies have to any indie out there on the web. You know, um, and I wonder, you know, <laughs> let's let's fire up the bong here, and dude. Like, could you imagine Xcode could eventually be, like, a web app and, like, you know, you could just do your code editing and, like, press a button and, like, on some server somewhere or, like, it would, like, you know, spin up, a, you know, a, a, a series of apps, whether they're simulators or, like, actual hardware in a lab and it would, like, show you screen grabs and stuff like that, you know. Uh, and I know that all is silly sounding, but, you know, we started this conversation about the fact that, you know, uh, uh, that web apps have 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 become so incredibly important to 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 teams. Do you think it's at all possible that one day uh, we may be doing? You know, we, we, there's there's been talk about Xcode or some type of development environment more sophisticated than Swift Playgrounds uh, existing on on iPads and and running on iPad OS or or whatever. You know, do you think that there's any chance um, that some type of development might be done through a web app in the Apple ecosphere? I think there might be a chance, and that could the way it goes. But I, I, on the whole, really hope not, because I mean, you know, <laughs> we're native app developers, you know, yep. um, and as, as strong as the web is sometimes, and you know, and however good good it gets, uh, yeah, I'm going to be one of the last ones going, kicking and screaming. And I guess you know, it's quite hard, isn't it? Because we both love native, but you say we, really, I hardly use any. I just use, I just use web stuff, and it's like, yeah, that's that that doesn't feel good to me. That doesn't feel like uh, we're heading in the right direction. Um, it doesn't, but I think it, it is also a reality. But I think, but I think you know. Uh, not to begin a whole other argument, you know, apps like Figma, yes, they run in a browser, but they really aren't web apps in the traditional sense. All these these kind of current generation of web apps, they're all, you know, uh, you know, uh, what's the vulgar ac- acronym for them? Wism? No, you know, they're there. But, you know, WebAssembly. WebAssembly. WebAssembly, you know. Yeah, which is effectively, and, uh, I believe that's prob- that's actually C++ in the browser. So are you really saying, John, we're all going to become C++ developers? And, uh, no, I'm the, not saying the, that. And, the, and, the bearded sandal people of the 80s were right <laughs> now well i don't know i don't think that's entirely true i think there are you that you there are clang there's clang to wasm tool change i'm pretty sure out there i mean really basically it will just it 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 it, it, it it's the wet dream promise of of the jvm but perform it you know that, that and, and you could use any number of different programming languages or, or, or apis so just basically saying if you're targeting this device or this this processor device and and this this version of a browsers which have some minimum APIs, you know the browser really is just a partially debugged device driver for for your app. Um, I don't know. It's something to. I don't think it's completely unimaginable, but yeah, it's just a it's just a, a bong fueled thought exercise. In fact, there's the title for this episode: a bong fueled thought exercise. Um, and with that, we should probably. Uh, considering, um, consider just uh, drifting off into our own little world <laughs> and uh, uh, leaving leaving our listeners on the ethereal plane of happiness. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fine. Well, Scotty, if people want to drift off 
and to like you know contact you on the astral plane where might they do that well yes you can get hold of me on the communication platform of all ulterior universes uh, and that is twitter where i am mac devnet the floaty one <laughs> and John, if people want to reconnect with reality when they come down from their um their floating where should and, and uh, uh get hold of you where should they do that well you can find me in the truth parlor <laughs> that is, is twitter <laughs> no i shouldn't say that uh, yes you can find me on twitter where i'm djembe that's d-j-e-m-b-e like the west african drum Excellent. Well, John, I'm glad that I've provided you your uh, half hour of satisfaction uh, for the week. <laughs> and you didn't even have to pay for it. There we are. So yep. here we are. It's, uh, and, and folks, you'll be very pleased to know that all those of you listening, we are still going to be a free podcast because let's face it, no one will pay for this shit. So thanks for listening. And until next time. You take care to slip a check or send me some money on Cash App or Venmo because when it's revealed that I was shit-canned, I'll need it. Check. check. You're just showing that you are an American and so far behind the times. Checks. I haven't seen a check in, I don't know, five years at least. I wouldn't even know what to do mm. with one anymore. <sighs> right. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs>